Hello, and welcome to the Spirit World Centered Podcast. Today, I am joined by Dr. Mark Weisman, who joins us from Anchorage, Alaska. And he is a sworn Ufhethnar to the Allfather Odin, a shaman and a heathen Norseman. Dr. Weisman possesses a Doctor of Divinity, and he is a formerly ordained chaplain of the Christian Church. He is also the host of the Alaskan Ufhethnar podcast. And I'm very much looking forward to talking with him today. Uh, so, Dr. Mark Weisman, can you uh, tell us about yourself and uh, and uh, what brought you to where you are now? Thank you for that intro. The uh, as far as where I've come from, I think I've traveled a journey that many have in, and particularly in first world countries, by uh, start at a very young age I was introduced to alternate uh, alternative practices and, and worships and understanding uh, the new age um, beliefs and, and, and uh, seekings and uh, obviously uh, I grew up uh, understanding spirituality and its influence on me and my community. Um, I spent about three, almost four years in the tutelage of a Navajo medicine man in Tucson, Arizona, who continued to help me to understand the spiritual influences. Uh, went on an extensive self-destruct path following the passing of my father, um, which would ultimately lead me to the discovery of my wife, thank Odin. And she led me to understanding the monotheistic church. We went, I went uh, much further than, than most in that. I divvied off, I learned uh, quite a lot about the nation of Islam Judaism and and certainly Christianity, ultimately becoming ordained as a Christian chaplain, spent um, many years uh, following my return to civilian life after the military, uh, working and talking with others who were returning to help them kind of get back into life, into civilian life, help them adjust that became almost a full-time thing for me. It was during um, a particular session that I was, I was working with two gentlemen who had just returned from combat. They were uh, special operators, if you will. Uh, lots, of, lots of powerful emotion there. Um, and it was during that time that Odin found me, came to me and, and uh, selected me to uh, obtain a birthright that I had only superficially understood, and that was that I was Ufafnar of the Danes of central Germany, who would ultimately go on to become the Danes of, of fame and, and legend of, uh, of the Danish or the Denmark. But at the same time, I, I kind of discovered uh, a whole new 
level of spirituality as I just engrossed myself in, in understanding my newfound beliefs and just found such a commonality uh, between the, what I now knew to be uh, the Celtic Norse beliefs and how they were so connected and very similar to other practices throughout the world, uh, predominantly most, if not all, of the indigenous uh, people throughout the world, uh, whether you're talking the Aboriginal people in Australia, the Yokai in Japan, the uh, indigenous Native Americans who would essentially come across the Beringia land bridge from Altai on the steppes of, in Mongolia. We find the same similar beliefs in the Sami people of northern Norway, um, all the way through to the, the West African Vadao and the Vadao priestesses and that practice, we find a lot of the similarities with the spiritual world. So it really led me down a path that I began channeling and speaking with the spirits, um, following in my birthright. And this kind of led me to where we are uh, essentially today, where um, I teach people to better understand what their own personal theologies are. We, we look at modern practice of, of religion around the world and we find that there are two very distinct parts of these religions. And that is the first side being the theology, the second side being the practice. And the practice, unfortunately, I think has gotten um, too many um, individuals who have been interested in greed and control and began to implement all these methods of control that became the practice of particularly Christianity, but you know, the Muslim is the same thing, Judaism is the same thing. And so many people understand, they think they know their practice when the reality is they don't know their practice or they don't know their theology, they do know the practice. And so kind of helping people to see past that and understand what their theology, uh, what their, you know, what their spiritual core really is. And so that's kind of what I do. Um, I use my Celtic and my Norse past to help people simplify their lives and understand where the guilt and the shame of, of these types of practices have come into play and and how to better reconcile now acts of war, acts of, of necessary conflict to, uh, to get back in life. So that's in a nutshell, I guess. Wonderful. And um, I want to backtrack for a second there. When you first had your experience of working with Odin, um, I imagine that at that time, the, the Norse gods, goddesses, and spirits really came into your life. If you want to, um, if you're comfortable, uh, can you kind of elaborate on how that contact was made, how they started coming into your life? Was it through dreams, visions, um, synchronicities, or um, like how did that manifest to you? 
um, there's there's a multitude of stages to that um, that question because I know you know how they manifested to me today and what it took was for them to um, channel with me and explain to me what it was in my past. And what I mean by that is now I know when I was a young boy and I had quote unquote invisible friends whom I would speak with and play with and, and, and the normal little boy things, um, particularly when um, you're moving around a lot so you don't have physical realm friends, you have invisible friends. This was the Lanvetti beginning to speak to me. Um, children obviously have almost a direct path. So they begin talking to me then. Um, this kind of morphed to where my finite brain was trying to understand it. And so, you know, I, I sought out what I would learn later. I sought out to fulfill my spiritual connection and thinking, I, I think very much like everyone else, that I needed to be a part of the monotheistic practice, the Christian practice, because that's, that was spiritual. You know, obviously, I, I, being in the United States at the time and in that era, the, the nation of Islam wasn't really as prevalent as it is now. So I'm guessing today it might even be more confusing than it was then. But all of these steps kind of led me along the path until um, just a couple of years ago, um, uh, a vision, I had uh, a vision in my backyard. Um, this vision, Odin visited me with the uh, physical manifestation of the Lenvedi who have been communicating with me my essentially my whole life um and th there was a a an oath made and and now i think um i, I get visions uh whether I, i'm asleep or sometimes it's just this image that kind of manifests itself in my thinking uh and most often it's now uh, channeling where I spend time in a meditative or a trance state where I'm, I'm communicating uh, very comfortably now with the Lanvetti and, and certainly uh, my gods, goddesses, to whether I'm praying for someone else or, or you know, understanding clarity, whatever, um, those things now um, it's it's now just a part of my everyday life um so um but what was very exciting for me anyway was this idea of looking back over my life and to have the land that he explained to me all of these different interactions that i've had throughout my life and kind of what it meant and you know how they explained that they were there they they were a part of that decision matrix or or comfort level whatever it was at the time 
and and how those all interacted with me. So the kind of a twofold there, if you will. Um, there was certainly a, a a very real, very very strong vision that I would say, if you want to uh, use a metaphor, if you can, um, the uh, kick it into high gear, if you will, um, came from that visual uh, uh, vision. But predominantly, uh, these Lenvedi have been with me my whole life. If this that is. Makes this is something that we find in our in our students with our students all the time um it was something that we are very um open about at the spirit world center here is paranormal experiences and so thankfully something that we are honored and that our, our our students share is paranormal experiences and weird stuff that's happened to them throughout their life and so that is definitely uh, something that I have seen before, which is, you know, your imaginary friends when you were a kid, you know, these are, um, you know, your, your first salvos, your first introduction to working with the spirits, right? And, and it can be, um, uh, when, you, when you look back with that lens, it can really pull all those pieces together that you thought were just, oh, I was just being a weird kid or something. When, when in fact, right. no, it's you were making contact in this untrained way. Right. And that's, that's exactly right. And, and while very much so, you, you don't realize it at the time, but you're, you're essentially setting up that communication channel that you will then use for all of eternity um, to, to communicate with the spiritual realm and becoming if you will maybe even obtaining a level of comfort there and that i think is is very very paramount to um, our lives here on the physical plane and i'm curious to hear your take on what i'm about to say but i find that it's a very comforting thing is that these these beings are around you even when you're a kid and you know it's not like um it's not like you're going to be introduced to them later in life or something there's already that spiritual connection even when you're born that this is part of your extended spiritual family in fact that you that is is, is being around you and introducing itself to you while you're a child and you're just going to continue to you know on the path you just continue to create a, a stronger relationship with them as you grow older uh, what do you think of that i i 100 agree with that and i think um, there's a lot of, particularly with men, we find that we will go through a period, and this period will last, uh, you know, some early teens to maybe late 20s, uh, depends on the individual, obviously, but we go through a period, and I know I certainly went through it, where I thought I, I was, quote unquote, crazy, as I heard the voices and I, I understood different things that just didn't seem to uh, lace up tight with, with everything else that was going on in my life. And so I turned to a more of a self-destructive behavior for quite some time in an attempt to quash those voices, that, that, uh, that feeling of just your heart constantly breaking 
I went through that period um, when I came out on the other side, um, fortunately, uh, meeting and marrying my wife now 30 years ago, kind of set in motion and this idea that, that maybe that wasn't so bad. Maybe there was something that could be had from that knowledge I was receiving and kind of, and that began to build this process ultimately would lead me to uh, Christianity and, and all the way to the point of uh, ordaining in that church. And then as I began discovery through a multitude of veterans whom just came to me from every walk of life. So I helped folks who had grown up in, in Judaism or, or the Jewish uh, culture and community uh, and the, the folks who grew up in Muslim and, and the, the, all of these different beliefs. And of course, the, the plethora of, of beliefs with, just within Christianity, all of these people began to communicate with me and that's when the, the, the ideas of commonality began to surface is that, oh, well, you know, I'm this, but if you drill past the, the, the practice of Christianity and, and you're, I'll just use a the Baptist as a, an example, but when you get past the theology or past the practice that Bible thumping thou shalt not, and you arrive at a theology of what is your theism? Are you a monotheist or polytheist? Or what are you feeling? What, what makes sense? That's where I think um, my education kind of came into play is that, oh, wait a minute. Maybe there's this other piece. Maybe there's more to the commonality than than just a, a, you know, a chapter in a textbook, so to speak. There's, there's a much larger picture. And that's when all of those other thoughts of the Lambetti over the years have begun to kind of bubble to the surface, if you will. Very interesting. And so in your work with veterans, then, how does that come into play? What, uh, what dynamics are you seeing at work in terms of what you're helping veterans overcome, especially coming from this, uh, this deeply ingrained um, kind of monotheistic worldview and uh, um, the, the kind of the programming that comes with that? Well, the, the first thing you have to do uh, when, when communicating is you have to arrest any type of triggering behavior. So we have, we have a couple of, of tactics I use for that. Um, those are very... Uh, I want to call them therapist orientated, if you will. But after we get past that knee-jerk helping us to not do anything silly, then we can start looking at you know your your guilt and your shame. Um, because what I find most often is that traumatic events, particularly uh, events in a combat type of scenario you the brain struggles with reconciling the acts that were committed during conflict to that of the, the these monotheistic practices and what we have to do is decouple that and we have to say first we have to use simplification right we have to get away from all the drama and all of the 
the showmanship that has come with the practice over the years. We got to get away from that. We need to get away from the idea of thou shalt not and understand that, you know, each veteran who returns and, and brings back with them these, these stories of, of horror or whatever, we need to be able to essentially set them aside and understand that if those acts weren't committed, the veteran themselves would not be here to have this issue. In many cases, we find it's either an is uh, uh, them or us type of scenarios. And the, the ultimate first goal is to, to explain to them, okay, you've been given a, a, a lesson. This is class time now. How do we handle this? If we, if I told you that by you surviving, this was an education, you were about to be educated. And so we talk about that and then build steps towards if, if I was designing a class for myself, how to handle the grief and the, the, irreconcilable, the, the unjoinable beliefs here how would I write that class and then okay now what are the tests you know let's write ourselves some quizzes along the way so that we know that whatever we're learning that it's it's kind of sticking with us and so it, it's a slow process for some people um, particularly I find that veterans whom are deeply more subscribed, if you will, to these, these practices, they seem to have a lot more struggle than those who have almost let go of their, their theism and, and tried to go it alone, not understanding, obviously, the influence that, that the spiritual realm has on them, but just essentially simplifying and then decoupling the practice over millennia and helping them to see the guilt and shame for what it is, uh, much like our parents did when we were young kids. And they would tell us, oh, don't do that. And then anything related to that, there would be this guilt. You did that. Why did you do that? You shouldn't have done that. And so there becomes this guilt-shame cycle that, in many cases, is not warranted. Um, you're, you're talking about individuals who went to combat because our country sent them. These individuals then went to this area and it was either them or the enemy. And so they did what they had to do to come home. And so kind of getting past the, the practice and getting onto um, a, a different practice, which is where we say, okay, here's your theology. Your theology says when you feel influenced, you feel influenced by a singular God. That's okay. It's, it's totally okay. Um, but I want you to seriously consider the definition of what a deity is. And so we, we spend some time in there, um, talk about infinity, talk about an infinite being, and how they can be anywhere, everywhere, all the time. 
morning, noon, and night. And then, um, so just kind of giving them tools at which to decouple the practice from now their beliefs and uh, allowing them to then set the path that they're going to move forward. And of course, taking ownership of that path by developing their own course, if you will, uh, for recovery. And that's, that's really a critical element, if that makes sense. I get the sense that the majority then of people that you're working with, um, they are so you're not specializing then in, let's say, heathen veterans. You are specializing in, in, in everyone and helping them find their way with a very kind of universal approach here that you have, which is helping them to, uh, to kind of look at their life and almost take responsibility for their own theology and, and find their own way, asking leading questions like, okay, how would you, what would you take away from this experience? How, how would you fix it? Right? Is that the sense I'm getting? That is a very good, um, a very good uh, summary in that I, I don't work with anyone. I mean, there's nobody who comes to me and says, yes, I'm a, I'm a Norse heathen. Uh, yeah, know, that'd be uh, rare. Most sure. often. <laughs> yeah. And so what I get more often than not is individuals who come who are, are either um, word of mouth is, is kind of my trademark but um they hear from somebody else a lot of men and women i think to a de some degree uh originally sign up to come and see me and talk to me because i'm a i'm a dane and so with that comes the lore of the viking and and that whole culture that is associated and then once of course we meet and we start talking we they many individuals have given me the, the, the review, if you will, that I, I try to be straightforward and cut through the practice psychology, which is 90% uh, of, of where their issues lie. And so, but, and it doesn't matter what your theology is to me. Um, I, I don't see any differences you know, um, tried to explain to an individual the other day, and he says, well, how, how can you, how can you uh, reconcile this idea of polytheistic or monotheistic? And I, and I told him, I said, well, think of it this way, here in modern America, if we see a baseball team, what do we call them? Well, and I'll think of uh, uh, the Yankees, uh, obviously the most popular, I, I think, I'm, I'm not a sports fan, so but we say oh look over there there's the yankees in a group setting but yet if you know uh, one of the yankees were to hit a home run and they did an interview now it's that individual who also is a yankee right so that is kind of the concept when we speak of monotheistic versus polytheistic it's, it's identifying essentially your perspective of how you're looking at your deity channel of communication. I like that. And with your practice, um, obviously you are a shamanic practitioner. Do you uh, provide any kind of shamanic services then to, to veterans? I, I imagine 
that there would be a need for significant soul healing, especially after trauma and such. Do you, do you perform any of that? It's offered, um, you know, I, I always make that opportunity, but again, on the same note, in many cases, when I'm working with individuals, they, they're, they're fresh, they're just back from combat. And so they're, they're really grasping at straws. And so I may do, <clears throat> excuse me, I may do divination outside of their purview for them. I may do uh, some uh, chakra stone um, alignment and, and display. Um, so I, I do shamanic practices. In many cases, I'm not, I'm not um, trying to, because my idea, my, my whole thing in this is that I'm not here to convert anyone. Mm-hmm. that's that's not what i'm here to do I, I i'm not here to say oh well the 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 christian church is horrible and and we should never listen to that's not what i'm here to say i'm here to uh, help people be better at what they do so if you think oh i'm a christian i want to subscribe to that as long, as long as you understand what you're subscribing to let's all be christians for the day oh i I subscribe to the Muslim uh, uh, theories and 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 the underlying uh, uh, theology. Oh, hey, that's great. How do we do that? Um, and so I don't really steer. My my goal is that I don't steer people to understand my spiritual beliefs mm-hmm. until they they are at a place where it makes sense i have been invited now a multitude of times by individuals who are now recovered and they're they're functioning perfectly in their lives to you know provide uh rituals for, for um you know families throughout the country um going to births and, and, and marriages and all of those things um, that come with successful life. Um, getting put, matter of fact, I just got back uh, Monday. Yes, Monday. I just got back from Florida where I had gone down and, and done a uh, christening, if you will, uh, of a birth of one of my patients who had um, arrived at a place in, in their lives with his spouse where they had had a beautiful baby girl and he wanted me to come down there and, and, uh, flew me down there. We, we spent some time together and, and, uh, it was, it was a wonderful opportunity for his, his wife, whom I had never met by the way, <laughs> um, his wife and himself. And of course his beautiful baby girl, um, to to make sure she was protected and to instantiate the ritual of life's protections and to connect her with her spiritual sources so that she would then grow up healthy and, and understanding uh, her spiritual life so it was it was a beautiful thing and 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 so to answer directly the question i i don't really provide a lot of shamanistic 
visual pieces uh, through most of people's discovery. I help them discover where they want to be, what they want to do, how they're going to fix this. And then much, you know, sometimes years later, I'll get a call out of nowhere um, that, you know, I have a friend and, and they're struggling. Can you help them? And so that's those processes that instantiate more of my shamanistic practices than, than anything I do with veterans straight up. Well, obviously your approach is working if they are, you know, continuing that connection with you into their lives after they've received that healing from you. That is, um, that is wonderful that, uh, um, that they are getting these kind of connections and services from you into the future. Um, definitely a question that I, I imagine then it's, uh, things like cleansing and entity removal and attachments are not part of the services you provide. But I'm curious from a, a stance of just of your observations, uh, do you find that veterans are coming back with a lot of attachments, a lot of um, per perhaps even entities attached to them that, uh, you know, even if it's not part of your practice, that eventually probably need removal or, um, or to be addressed? I, I, obviously, um, you know, in my beliefs, and again, these are my beliefs, my beliefs is there is no evil energy, right? There's mm -hmm. only energy. And it's the intent of the individual. So again, it's, it's a matter of assigning responsibility um, as far as managing that connection. What I find more often than not is that most people deny their spiritual connections at all. They deny them. And even though there's a substantial influence happening, many, many folks deny uh, the connection and what I wind up having to do is that as I go through sessions with individuals, I'm communicating at the same time with, with my spiritual sources, my, the Lenvedi who have supported me since I was a child and we communicate, they then provide the, the spiritual entity communications that helps the individual then recognize his or her role in translating the intent. Obviously, our spiritual entities don't come to us with a, a negative or a, a evil, if you will, um, uh, agenda. They are simply there to provide us with energy and wisdom. And it's our job as physical entities to then translate that into steps that we can take moving forward, right? And so helping them to understand their role in it is, I think, more critical than any role that we, I find anyway, where I'm removing or, or, or casting out uh, any spiritual connection. Um, I find more often than not, it's just that the the individual just doesn't understand the energy and the wisdom and or the wisdom that's being provided by that spiritual entity. So they need to just learn to communicate and understand what 
the influence that that entity is having on them. Right, right. I, I always can... putting the responsibility, always trying to put the responsibility on the individual, the accountable part is, uh, and this, this stems very much from the days of the Norse. Um, part of my belief is that it's about the self and we are, we are, we're self-reliant. And, and that was one of the nine noble virtues of Norse, which kind of evolved from the Celts. And that says that we try to do as much as our physical entities as we can before invoking our communications to the, the spirits or to the, uh, our deities. And so trying to, I'm trying to restate that and say, okay, you're having this issue. What are you going to do about it? Kind mm -hmm. of putting it, getting that accountability and getting back to the self in taking responsibility for managing then our spiritual interactions in lieu of, you know, allowing individuals to continue to deny that they happen and, and kind of turn that blind eye and, and wonder why they're having all these influences. Well, having all this influence because you're not recognizing those spiritual entities and translating their knowledge or their energy correctly. I like how you put that. And one thing that I'm always saying is, you know, you have to do the work. You can call upon the gods, goddesses, and spirits all that you want, and they absolutely, you know, are willing to help. But at the same time, if you don't do the work, if you don't get out there and 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 work in the physical world, get things done, they don't have a a medium of manifestation, something to manifest their influence in. So you, you got to get out there and you know do the work. Um, one thing I. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and you know, we talk about prayers or spell manifestations, the utterance of, of incantation of spells and magic. And we always talk about, and, and I try to convince or let people know that when you talk about incanting a spell, and this goes to your, what you just said about doing the physical work, everybody talks to me about prayers and oh i prayed and prayed and prayed okay well how how did you set it up to be delivered mm -hmm. and we talk about praying for a million dollars yet never buying a lottery ticket and and so you're not giving the gods or the spiritual entities that avenue at which to provide your your request to you so you pray 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 but yet nothing ever happens because you never got up off the couch and went and did something. Exactly. So, they, as far as your action item goes. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. They can play with the probabilities, but you have to give them something where there's probabilities. <laughs> exactly. You have right. to go buy the lottery ticket. You have to go out there and, yeah. and, you know, let's say you want a new career. Uh, you, you can, you know, the, the gods, gosses and spirits, maybe you can influence the hiring manager's mood that morning so that they'll be more, uh, you know, the more amenable to you and, and you know, improve your likelihood of getting hired. But at the same time, you have to get out there and start doing interviews so that they can right. then play in the background there, right? It's, uh, you got to right. do the work. I, and, and, or at least send them your resume so that yeah. you're considered exactly you're you're 100 right there i 
Um, I use a uh, uh, analogy um, in the book um, that I have coming out here pretty soon. But the analogy is, is that we're walking along a very long path and the path goes on over the horizon. And, but today, as we walk, we're tired. We've spent a long night, sleepless night, and so we're tired. And so we utter a prayer or incant a spell, whatever, however you want to phrase it. And our spiritual entities then play a game of telephone to each other. Uh, again, not being bound by time and space, they could usually do both. But essentially what they're going to do is they're going to go forward on your path and they're going to look left, look right, and find uh, a, a pen that holds a horse. And they'll begin with the idea of suggestion to the gate holder between you and the horse. And they're going to begin to suggest, hey, you know, if we let that horse free, he can get some exercise, he'll be healthier, this, that, the other thing. And so in the meantime, we have another set of spiritual entities who then begin to uh, suggest, if you will, to the horse, hey, you know, if that gate opens, we should go for a trot. And so as those things come to fruition, ultimately, um, the gatekeeper obviously opens the gate, the horse runs free, and then the horse intersects with our path, our journey, up the path a little bit. So we've, we've walked between where we incanted the spell or said the prayer to where the horse then intersects with our path. We then ride the horse the rest of the way. Um, this kind of explains several key functions, but the, the key piece here is that we as individuals must continue to walk the path until we arrive at the horse. Because the horse is going to show up in the, our journey of life. We simply walk into our manifestations from magic, uh, prayers or spells, whatever. And so we have to do that walk. So that goes to the physical. When we talk about our life's journeys, um, what a lot of people don't understand, they kind of get the idea, but it, it gets a little contorted as you get into some of the, most of the monotheistic practices when we talk about free will in that. We as physical entities have the power at any point in our life lives to change our life's trajectory we can just willy-nilly we decide we're going to turn left and and we're going to go off on this other tangent whatever it is and i use the analogy that on our path when we turn to the to the left off of the path there's a stream there fairly deep and would allow us then if we had a boat we wouldn't have to walk the path. We could just take the boat because it essentially parallels our path. And this then is the analogy that says our horse shows up on our path, but yet here we are standing at the stream with no boat. And so this, this says to us that when we encant our prayers and our spells and we're, we're on the path towards that 
that path and or towards that uh whatever the fruition of that we need to make sure that we stay on that path otherwise these many really good things that we've prayed for and that we've wanted and you know done our spells they show up on our old path they're no longer on our path of life because we change directions so those are some of the ramifications that come with that trajectory change is that now we need to essentially turn off the energy towards that other spell prayer and now refocus our our energies and prayers on the boat and how is that going to come into our lives well you know could we drop a tree and just ride the tree okay those are action steps that then provide us with the outcome of of getting down the, the stream so I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. lessons yeah multitude of lessons from the analogy and that's why i, I when i was i was explained it by a, a mongolian uh altai shaman and uh i was like it totally makes sense of of pretty much life mm-hmm. and how we how we move down this path journey that that we call our lifetime yeah exactly you're, you're sending all these requests to the spirit saying oh can you help me with my path but if you're constantly changing the path they're going to be you know left there on the on the road being like i thought this guy was going to be here <laughs> right? right like i'm right. setting all this up but he, he's constantly changing his mind um right. that's that is very curious now you you mentioned and i, I gotta touch on this because you mentioned it uh you mentioned an upcoming book i do um the book is actually mostly finished. Uh, it'll be out for beta, I, I anticipate, by early March, and then set to publish in May of, of this year. Um, and the book is about understanding our spirituality. Uh, and again, much like my practice, I, I I address the practices of monotheistic or polytheistic or all of these things, but helping us to understand the communication and the spiritual influence that is going on around us all the time, morning, noon, and night, from the time, well, from before we're born to the long after our physical bodies have left us. kind of explaining that journey Um, the book is called the turn to final and i use that um, because many people i think are and today more so i think than in a long time are seeking answers so that they're up in the air they're really indecisive and, and really unknowing because um, what I find when actually communicating with, with students of particularly uh, these modern day practices is that more people think the practice is the theology. They don't understand the difference between those two levels of spirituality. And so getting them to understand that um, helping them prepare to be on the ground and moving forward um, 
is what this book hopefully will will do and uh again the book is called the turn of final uh if anyone's interested you can actually um it's a i think it's an email submission or something on our website and you can actually pre-order a copy of the book um but again and it, it doesn't i don't call out one belief over another uh one practice over another um just again going back and finding the commonality amongst many different belief systems and providing steps for people to move forward in their lives, whichever way they want to go, understanding then why they want to go there and how they can best do that direction for themselves and their, their clients. That sounds like a wonderful book and you're, that's coming out in March or uh, around then. Excellent. Um, it'll actually be published in May. Okay. Uh, early early may like the first week of may um it's going out for early early reads uh certain individuals who have um have asked that uh you know um and uh we'll provide with early reads kind of a beta if you will um to to let folks kind of give me some some feedback i encourage always- listeners to go out there and uh and pre-order it uh that's uh that link is on your website and that will be listed below in the description below if you're watching this on youtube or um watching it on any podcast service that will be in the description um before we uh before we wrap up i definitely want to ask you about one other book uh considering that you are a, a shaman and a uh hethnar sworn to uh, sworn to uh, odin um what 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 are your what's your take on the Havamal and does it have um, wisdom for today and would you encourage people to give it a read or what uh, um, what do you think of the Havamal? I, I, I think uh, like like every story, um, including all the holy texts and and uh, pick one any of them, I think we come to a place where you have a finite human mind attempting to interpret what they're being told i mean my book uh, no different right um do do i read i have read the have them all um matter of fact i have a copy of it on my phone so that i can pretty much read it anywhere um the the thing about encouraging one book over another is that i i find it and with me anyway that books call to me Um, I can read a couple of pages and kind of know, you know, does this book fit with my beliefs? Does it contradict my beliefs? Does it, you know, where, where is that? Where does this book fit right in my beliefs? And and I I look at all of the sagas of Norse history, um, you know, whether it be the uh, poetic Edda or the, the prose Edda, um, these books provide an individual's, or in the case of, of a couple, multiple individuals, their interpretations of what happened. And we have to, when reading that book, like any other religious book, we kind of have to look at it in that with those lenses, if you will. And I think. Uh, uh, 
you know, I, I look at the have them all, uh, or all the Eddas and sagas uh, of my culture and heritage. And I, I recognize what they are, is that they're stories about how that individual found these beliefs and, and why they believe that. What were kind of the driving energies for that? Um, the Norse, particularly from all the Germanic tribes as they moved north, um, Norse, were, were more, much more orientated towards the oral traditions. They told stories, they spoke. Um, and these, these stories are that tried to, um, in, certain individuals have tried to capture them and, and try to put them to, to paper. Um, and I think they all tell a story. They all provide a narrative at which we can understand what that individual was thinking. So do I recommend it? Absolutely. I recommend every holy book ever written, uh, whether it be the Quran, whether it be the, the Christian Bible, whether it be the have them all, um, you know, the, the, the uh, I'm forgetting what they're calling the order of the sick, uh, whatever. Um, all of those books provide us with an interpretation and we just need to understand that that's what it is it's an interpretation and and kind of file it appropriately uh, i couldn't agree more it, it's one of these things i find where you have this like this divine intelligence this divine consciousness this gigantic consciousness that is interfacing you know communicating with as you say a finite human intelligence right and and so it's going to you know, the, the communication that happens, it's going to happen through that cultural lens, right? One thing I find is absolutely a, a spiritual being, it looks in you and it sees what your spiritual, spiritual vocabulary is. What's your culture? What are the symbols that you understand? Okay, I can explain these, these, these ideas, these concepts through this through these stories, through this prose, but exactly, it's that interface between the individual and the, and this divine being. And there's that, um, um, absolutely, there's therefore the, the filter, right? The, the lens of mm. that particular culture of that particular being or that, that particular individual who's channeling it, let's say. Right. And, you know, I, I, I talk about, and I talk about it in the book as well is understanding ourselves, what many people don't understand, uh, about the evolution of humans and the physical bodies that we inherit here on the physical plane. Many, many people don't understand the genetics and the chemistry. And there, there is science here that, that is involved in understanding what, what makes you, you. Why are you so unique, so different than everybody before? And we're finding now we're, we're seeing studies uh, being performed where uh, men and women are proving that from the time you're born into a physical life, draw air, you are in the process of manipulating, modifying your own genome, your the base DNA, so that by the time you get to the age that you create your legacy, your next generation, 
your DNA has been manipulated and modified from your parents. You're now different, right? And then in, in much the same case as you have a child, then we find that we have genetics that are fed to the, the child from mom and dad, dominant, you know, recessive genes, whatever. And we kind of get this shuffling of the deck to arrive at whatever genetic stack then becomes the child. And that drives the chemical um, composition at which you are, your thoughts are. We know from science that emotions are merely a chemical imbalance in the body or balance, whichever. So we find peace and, and comfort. We know that that's where the pH balance within the brain is in that quote unquote sweet spot. In, in the same way, if we start dumping all of these fight type of hormones into the bloodstream, we get the heart racing and the tensing and all, this, all these pieces, could that be anger? And our bodies, our minds will go through that process as we age that says, yep, I recognize these symptoms as being love, as being anger, as being, you know, hurt or whatever. And so we classify them and, and we begin, we kind of set up this checkbox, uh, a checklist that the body, the mind goes through and says, oh, okay, well, these, this is happening and this is what my visual cortex is saying and blah, blah, blah. And so I go through this checklist and we get these emotions. Well, emotions and those chemicals, those hormones also alter the DNA. In other words, we find individuals who are more high strung, right? As an example, these people have a higher level of, of the adrenaline in their system. They're more agitated or they can be easily agitated because it only takes a little bit now of the adrenaline hormone to then kick them into this fight or flight type of thinking. And so when we talk about that genetic and chemical composition of who you are throughout your life, your spirits, your spiritual entities have to communicate with you this, this whole time. And what we find is that your aura is how they do that. So every, every living thing on the physical plane has an aura that essentially is kind of your billboard, if you will. And I think you started, you pointed it out, is that it, it talks about our, our aura kind of announces to the spiritual realm, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm low key, I, I, I understand this, I understand that, I have this level of, of, of understanding of this process. So that when the spirits, as you pointed out, come to them and, and communicate or, or provide wisdom, they know what level to speak at, I guess is the best way to, to say, so that you have the best chance of effectively translating what they're saying. Um, now, in some cases, we know that spirits, particularly in young children, spirits kind of talk 
but essentially what they're doing is they're they're kind of establishing our our knowledge so that down the road we run into something in our life and we go that's what that is i understand it now it makes sense why because that information was already fed to you when back in the day as kind of that base knowledge and so we find that quite frequently and what most people don't understand is all of these auras that are kind of around us are interfacing with other physical beings auras which is why we can go into a crowded room and walk by a bunch of people and find that one person with whom we don't feel very good about you know, there's some concern or there's there's uh or or there conversely it could be someone love at first sight those things are done with the aura and aura management and so there's a lot there um, we could go on for a whole different show about your aura and how to control that but the book does cover it so they get the book they might get some understanding as to the importance of your aura in making you who you are fantastic well we'll definitely have to have that future show where we talk about the aura and also talk about your uh, your new book in more detail um we're at the top of the hour here so uh dr mike mark wiseman um where can people find you online there's a bunch of places and thank you for asking um the, our main site is the http colon slash slash akulfhefner.com and that's that's our website lots of knowledge there um, for those folks who are interested um, we have a patreon site as well which provides additional learning um, the the web the website produces our our podcast which goes out on all of the your uh, average uh, podcast distribution locations as well as a couple of streaming sites um, and so podcast is out there um, we also do a daily show where we simply respond to questions that are provided from our weekend show and that's on an app that's currently available for iphone users and that app is called wisdom and again, that's a daily show, 11 o'clock uh, every weekday um, here in Alaska, Alaska time for the 11 o'clock. And uh, that just essentially we, we get questions from our listeners about that weekend show and we just answer them uh, on the wisdom. Um, so they're roughly about 10, 12 minutes a day. And then ultimately we're, we're getting together um, a our own discussion board where I've invited shamans and medicine men and practitioners of all origins to join us. Um, and again, that, that's through our Patreon site, which is uh, https colon slash slash patreon.com forward slash AK Ulf Hefner. And uh, for I think I want to say it's like six bucks a month or something. Um, you can sign up and you get bonus materials. So on top of the podcast, we also produce uh, documents um, that talks a lot about the book predominantly, but about my beliefs, which is what the book is. And then there's also this discussion board uh, 
uh, membership that um, we're we're encouraging so that we can get a dialogue going and and help people to understand um, just the 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 spiritual situation they find themselves in today. Um, hopefully, able to find a path that that works for them, that feels comfortable. So. Those are all the ways I can think of. And um, you can always come to Alaska um, and uh, I'll be happy to, uh, <laughs> to meet up somewhere. Well, we'll have all that information in the show notes and I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, Dr. Weissman, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. I've learned a lot and I'm, I'm looking forward to your book. Um, any, any closing words before we head off? I do, if I may, um, one of the, uh, my driving that keeps me up at night, if I could point to one thing, would be the hope for all peoples to set aside the differences. Um, I have a friend, a very, very dear friend of mine who is a uh, Mongolian um, shaman, and he has a saying that he uses, and, and I've tried to adopt it in my way of my life as well and the the english translation of this is that whatever you seek you will find so when people individuals throughout the world seek methods of division hate and and segregation and separation They'll find it because it's everywhere. It's, it's in every fiber of life. However, in the next breath, if they seek unification, coexistence, peace, harmony, frequency matching with other people, when they seek those things, love, they'll find that too because it's everywhere. And so the age-old saying is, what are you seeking? And that would be my thought. So I encourage all of your listeners, uh, as well as all my listeners, to, to really consider what it is that we are seeking. And, and uh, you know, if, if it's a, uh, and really consider what the outcomes of those seekings are. Are we seeking to do things because we, we want to show off or we want to one-up the Joneses? Or are we seeking to better ourselves and our family and, and humanity? That's so very true. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a chaos out there, just like, um, just like a fractal set, you know, like the Mandelbot set. You can find any pattern you want in it. It depends on what you're looking for and what you seek to manifest. I agree. I agree completely. So yeah, that's the big note takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. It's a big idea, but I encourage people to put that into practice for sure. Well, Dr. Weissman, it has been fantastic having you on the show. You have an amazing day, and I hope it stays warm up there in Alaska. It's, uh, yes. <laughs> hopefully you Me can fend too. off the cold weather. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm good with getting out my... Uh, my flip-flops instead of my uh, snow boots. 
always a plus yes. i'm up here in canada and uh it's cold but hopefully it warms up soon so you have a yeah. lovely yeah. lovely uh, day and uh we'll definitely be in touch for that next uh that next round on here for sure about your absolutely book. absolutely and if and if anytime anyone wants to listen uh or, or speak or ask questions um if they go to our website akofefnar.com um, there is a section on there for asking questions. Please, you know, one of the things all too often that happens in life is that if we don't get an answer, we start making up an answer. Um, and I, I hate for folks to go down a rabbit hole searching for an answer um, that, that it's kind of built on this house of cards, if you will. So I'd rather... Um, help them to understand kind of where to to get that information and what they should do about it and and how to respond so i think um, please feel free there's a bunch of questions already out there i mean the obvious ones like am i a viking that's always my favorite um but i mean there's a bunch of spiritual questions out there as well that have already been asked and, and what we try to do is if someone asks questions we uh, we try to put the answer uh, not only do we respond to the individual, but we try to put an answer out there for others as well, so that more people can have just this understanding of, of at least getting past the practice and getting to their theology so that they can better understand this lifetime. So yes, please, please uh, feel free to, to hit the site with any questions you may have. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Weissman, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, uh, we'll definitely talk to you later. Uh, take care. Uh, bye -bye. Absolutely. Thank you so much.